bring you greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every path straight. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Before we get into our parting shots on faith toward God, we just want to do a brief review of what we've done so far concerning faith toward God. The second of the foundational principles of the Christian faith, looking at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and verse 2. The first, of course, being repentance from dead works. When we began to look at faith towards God, we defined and we described faith toward God as the assurance that we have that what God has said will surely come to pass. We also define it as the conviction that we have that what we cannot see with our eyes actually exists. Things like heaven, hell, God, Satan, demons, angels, and so on and so forth. We also saw that our faith must be towards God and that God must be the focus of that faith. Otherwise, what we have is something that will bring disappointment to us at the end of our stay here on the earth. We then looked at the source and objective of faith. The source of faith, we said, was the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God, God himself. That's how we get our faith. We are given the gift of faith. We are saved by grace through faith, which is a gift that God has given to us. And we must do more than just have that gift. The Bible tells us that through the Word of God, faith comes to us. That is the word that is preached concerning Christ on the cross at Calvary. His death, his finished work, and so on and so forth. We then also mention that the objective of faith is eternal salvation. It's not about getting things here on the earth. It's about what happens when we leave the earth ultimately. Faith ends once we leave this earth. Then we discussed a checklist that we must have to evaluate if our faith is indeed towards God or towards something else. At that time, we mentioned checking your affection, your acquisition, and your allegiance. We said this is talking about where your heart really lies. Is your heart with God or is your heart with something else or someone else? Then we spoke about our assurance. We spoke about your acknowledgement. We spoke about your approval. And we spoke about your aversion. We mentioned that if you want to please God, it is his approval you're going to be interested in. And you will be averse to what God is averse. Then we spoke of faith killers. And we grouped them into three. Facts, feelings, and the flesh. We mentioned that facts are hard things we can see. They are evidence that we can see. However, the fact that we can see them actually becomes a negative thing for us because faith is based on what we hear from God, not what we see. Then feelings are things that even though we don't see them, they are not from God. They are from within the mind and it can come in any shape or form. So it has a way of acting upon us to take actions that are contrary to how God would want us to act. And then we said the flesh is that nature of man that loves to sin, that is contrary to everything that God stands for. And on the basis of that, he said that the flesh always wants us to do what is contrary to God, which is contrary to faith. And so they weaken and they kill our faith. And then finally, we came up to discussing how we can overcome these faith killers and live above them always. We spoke about guarding our hearts and our minds by putting on the whole armor of God and by ensuring that the weapons of our warfare, which are mighty through God, are always with us. Then we spoke about focusing on Christ, focusing on his word. That is keeping our eyes single, keeping our eyes focused. We should look unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith at all times and not on any other thing. Then we spoke about our hearing, that we must hear, listen, and do what the word of God tells us all the time and only what the word of God says to us. Even when facts seem to portend that what we are seeing is correct, we must check back with God as to what God is saying and listen to him and do what he wants us to do. Then in our last broadcast, we came up to the last two of the five things that we're mentioning on how to overcome faith killers. And those were getting an understanding heart, a heart of understanding, which comes from God. As we ask God, he will give us that heart that understands what he is saying, what he wants done, and how we should go about the things that we need to go about. We spoke about wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We said knowledge gives us what this thing is about. Wisdom tells us why that thing is there. And understanding tells us how to go about it and what to do next. We spoke about the sons of Isaac who knew the seasons and the times and what Israel ought to do. So it's not enough to know the season and the times, but you must know what you ought to do. And that is where an understanding heart comes. An understanding heart is important because when we have an understanding heart, we will know that when we hear the word of God, we need to put actions to it. Finally, we spoke about being in the spirit at all times. The moment we move away, from being in the spirit at all times, we are likely to yield to the things that want to kill our faith. But when we are in the spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, building up yourself in your most holy faith, our faith becomes standing and distinct. Today, we want to conclude on faith towards God as we give us some parting shots on the things that we should keep when we talk about the issue of faith. I read the text, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. This is Paul writing, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. When we look at that verse of scripture, one of the crucial things that we find out is that we are saved because of our faith in Christ and in his finished work on the cross at Calvary. As we believe, as we have faith that what Christ did, he did for the salvation of mankind, we are saved. Then we also now discover a very important phrase that is used. It says, for in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. What does that mean? For us to really understand what that means, I'd like to read from the Living Bible. It says, this good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven, makes us right in God's sight when we put our faith and trust in Christ to save us. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says it, the man who finds life will find it through trusting God. So what we see here is that salvation from start to finish, from the day we become born again till the day we leave this earth, it is a matter of faith. From start to finish is by faith. We are going to discuss that soon. Because you cannot start by faith and then switch to law. Once you begin by faith, you must end by faith. That is one of the things that Paul wrote to the Galatians, which sadly many Christians today are engaged in. We shall look at that. And in confirming that, Paul cites that verse of scripture in Malachi that says, The just shall live by faith. Those who have been saved by faith and justified by faith shall live by faith. You cannot be justified by faith and then live apart from faith. 
which is what Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to 11, is saying to us. Galatians was the first region that Paul and Barnabas had gone to on the first missionary journey, and churches had been established as a result of the souls that had been won. But after they left and returned, they discovered that some Jews had gone there to tell them that salvation cannot just be by faith alone. They needed to be circumcised. And many of them began to heed that call to circumcision. So Paul had to write to them that, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? that is by circumcision, or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? How did you start with faith in the spirit, and now you want to be made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Paul is writing here to the Galatian churches as he's writing to us today, the Christians of today. How is it that we started in the spirit? How is it that we started by faith? And now we want to end in the flesh. How is it that we want to end by obeying what men are telling us and not what the word of God is saying? How has the church been bewitched to the point that we came into Christ by believing God, believing the word of God, and we got our salvation? How are we going to now leave that faith and start listening to the things that men are coming up with as the basis on which we are going to walk with God? Our walk with God must be by faith for the just those who have been justified by faith must continue to live by faith. If you choose to live by the law, then you must continue in the law. But he says, those who now continue to live by the law, that is, by the ordinances, which included circumcision and so on and so forth, they must continue therein. But know that those who continue in the law are under a curse already. For curse is everyone who pursues the law. That's what the Bible says. So the Christian life is a blessed life. And the blessed life is a life of faith and must continue therein. In Galatians chapter 5, speaking of walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit, Paul wrote, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we bring it to the matter of faith, he says, if you say that you were saved by faith, then continue to walk by faith, continue to live by faith. You cannot come in by faith and then you now want to live by a different means. Once you come into Christ by faith, you must continue to live by faith. And this is the importance of what I want to live with us as we draw a curtain on faith towards God. We cannot begin by faith and then try to bring in law and other things. We must maintain the word of God. We must maintain whatever it is that God is saying because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We cannot jettison it. Faith is believing what God has said only, not necessarily what we can see. We may not even see anything. We just believe what God has said. 
So when somebody is telling us something and is quoting the scriptures, we need to ask God again, Lord, what are you saying? The time when we were being tossed to and fro like children and made to believe everything must be done away with. We must get into maturity. That's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6. It says we must move on to maturity. We must move on to the place where our lives are led by faith. By what God is saying, not by what men are saying. Even if a man were to tell you something, you should confirm what God has told you. What the man is saying cannot be the first thing that you are going to listen to. In John chapter 11 verse 40, the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking to Martha when he said they should roll away the stone at the tomb of Lazarus. And Martha said to him that by now he's thinking. The Lord said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see? You have to believe, then you will see. Sadly, the world teaches, and that is what many Christians are pursuing, that seeing is believing. No, you believe to see. If you only believe what you see, you are not acting out of faith. You are acting based on facts, based on feelings, and on the flesh. And these are the things that weaken and kill faith, which means you cannot be acting out of faith. If you are a Christian, your life is a life of faith. The very breath in you is a life of faith. The Christian does not live by medical reports. He does not live by what the nutritionists are saying. He lives by what God is saying. And I'm not belittling their efforts because God has compassion on even the unsaved. So yes, what the doctors are doing is good to keep the unsaved alive so that they can hear the gospel and be saved. However, for the Christian, what God, his father is saying is paramount, not what the medical doctors are saying. If a doctor, for example, says you need surgery, you go to God and find out. Should I go for this surgery? God can say to you, go. That's okay. You know that you are going not because doctor says you need surgery, but because God says you need surgery. If on the other hand, the doctor says you need surgery and it's urgent and you go to God and God says, no, don't go for surgery. Then you stay. So we must be able to understand the difference between faith and facts. Facts can present to us what we should be doing. However, what God is saying is what is paramount to us. That is why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. Therefore, to live by faith henceforth, the following must be in our minds, and we must live accordingly as a result. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, when angel Gabriel went to Mary and told her that she was going to have a child, Mary was stumped that I'm not even married. I've not even known a man. How will I have a child? And the angel said to her that with God, nothing shall be impossible. If you are a Christian and you are going to live by faith, you must understand this. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing. Absolutely nothing shall be impossible. You must understand that nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is too hard for God to do. In Genesis chapter 18 verse 13, when the Lord had visited Abraham and had told him in the hearing of Sarah that she was going to have a child according to the time of life, Sarah began to laugh. And the Lord asked, is there anything too hard for the Lord? It's something that must be at the back of your mind. There's nothing that God cannot do. We must understand this. We must not get ourselves to the place where we question the ability of God. In Jeremiah chapter 32, God had told Jeremiah to buy a plot of land in Judah to show that even though Judah will be taken out of their land, he will return them. So you buy that land because that land is going to be yours when Judah returns. And so Jeremiah gave an exclamation and we sing it as a chorus. Ah, oh Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Is there anything too hard for you to do? In verse 27, of Jeremiah 32, God replied, I am the God of all flesh. There is nothing that is too hard for me to do. So if you are a Christian, you must have that at the back of your mind. The reason why you have that at the back of your mind is that you are going to hear God tell you some things 
that will sound strange and astounding. You must not doubt it. You must not shy away from it. You must always know that with God, nothing shall be impossible. That there is nothing that is too hard for God to do. God can raise the dead. God can open blind eyes. God can make the lame to walk. God can get the burden to keep hope. And so on and so forth. You must rest assured in your heart. You must not give room for doubt. Because there are things that God will tell you that if there is an iota of doubt, you will fall away. That is how the just lives by faith. By recognizing that with God, nothing shall be impossible. In Mark chapter 10, from verse 23 to 27, Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's not so much wealth he was talking about, but where their trust lay, their trust was in the wealth. And that was the problem of the young rich where his trust was in his wealth. He saw himself as nothing apart from his wealth. And he said, it's difficult for such people to get into the kingdom of God. In verse 25, he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. What is impossible for men to do or with men is not impossible for God. You must know that. The fact that a great man of God could not do it does not mean that it is impossible with God. It may be impossible with men. Even men of God may have tried something and it has not worked for you. Don't give up on it. Go to God and tell him, Lord, I know that there is nothing that is impossible with you. Men have tried. With all honesty, they have tried. But you see, one of the things that many of us don't understand is that when God wants to do something, he wants to take the glory. He doesn't want any man to take the glory. That's why in some meetings, instead of God asking somebody to work the miracle, God will just give that person a word of knowledge and say, tell them I have done this already. So that the fellow cannot take glory for the one doing it. It's God who has done it. God has just given a word of knowledge for somebody to know that that your matter has been dealt with. So with God... You must always understand this. All things are possible. Men cannot get you into heaven, but God can. Your giving cannot get you into heaven, but God can. Your wealth cannot get you into heaven, but God can. The church you are attending cannot get you into heaven, but God can. Your general overseer cannot get you into heaven, but God can. The things that men cannot do, God can do. Always have that at the back of your mind. Then let's go to Mark chapter 11. I read from verse 22 to 26, where the background story is this. The Lord had been hungry the previous day, I think and had seen this fig tree and discovered that it just had leaves, no fruit. And so the Lord cursed the tree in the hearing of the disciples and they went away. The next day as they were going back to Jerusalem from Bethany, the disciples looked at the tree and said, Lord, according to your word, the tree has withered that you cursed yesterday. And we heard it. Look at it. How soon it has withered in one day. And then this is the Lord's comment to them from verse 22 of Mark 11. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Number one, always put your trust in God. No matter what. No matter the circumstance. And then he goes on. He says, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. You see where doubt acts as a faith killer now. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have there. This is the word of the Lord. In verse 25, it then goes on and says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. For if you do not 
forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Let's look at this matter of faith, of trusting God, believing what you have said in prayer and holding on to it. He says, whatsoever thing you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We must understand that in scripture, revelation is progressive. In John chapter 14, looking at the progression of scripture, verse 13 and 14, the Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples, and whatever you ask in my name, now here he didn't talk of his name, now he's bringing in his name, so it's progressive, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Anything, said I will do it. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that we have in Christ, in God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. You can ask anything and God will do it. There's no question about it. Whatever it is, you can ask and God will do it. However, you must understand that the will of God has a role to play in our asking. I'll give you an instance. I think it's in 2 Kings chapter 2 when Elisha had returned with power after Elijah had been taken away. And some young lads came and began to insult him. Go up, bald head. Go up, bald head. Go away, bald head. Go away, bald head. And Elijah cursed them. And some bears came from the forest and killed those children. Elijah had acted out of faith and God had responded. But from that time on, Elijah was no longer careless with his lips because he realized the tremendous power that he had. When you have faith in God, when you are asking in faith, you are not going to be careless. You are not going to be reckless. You may have tried it sometimes and it worked, but it doesn't mean that you should be careless. It doesn't mean that you should be reckless. So in asking whatever, be led by the spirit of God. Otherwise, you might find yourself in a situation where Satan will capitalize on the desire for you to get something apart from what God wants you to get. In Matthew chapter 4, the Satan in tempting the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 4, 3 and 6, he phrased his temptation by saying, if you are the son of God, do this. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God, jump from this pinnacle. After all, he says he will get his angels to guide you. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, no, we don't do those kind of things. We will not tempt the Lord. We will not put him to the test. So we must understand that. Yes, ask whatever. You can put your trust in your father. But you must also recognize that for as much as God will yield to us, will actually do what we believe by faith that he will do. When you get to the place of maturity, you will come to know that you just don't ask anything. You don't ask recklessly. You actually want to know what the will of God is. Don't forget, we are going to maturity. We are not just going to remain as babies. But as babies, yes, you may have asked and some things happened. That is true. But as you mature, you know that you want to find out, Lord, is this your will or is it not your will? That brings us to another important thing that I want to mention here. Looking at Mark again, Mark chapter 9, verse 20 to 23. A man had brought his son to the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had gone up to the mountain with three of his disciples. That was where the transfiguration had taken place. But when they came down, they saw the man disputing with his disciples. Apparently, he had brought his son to be healed by them and nothing could happen. So when the Lord came, the Lord was asking that, what is the issue here? And the man said, oh, I brought my son and your disciples could not do anything. And the Lord said, you faithless generation, am I going to be with you forever? But let's take the story from verse 20. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him immediately, the spirit convulsed him. The spirit that was troubling the boy convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening 
to him, and he said from the child. Verse 22, And often he, that is the father still speaking, and often he was thrown both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. The man says to the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what has been happened. If you can do anything, please have compassion on us. In verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. There's a translation that says, the Lord said to him, if I can, no, it is if you can believe. So this, that's basically what he's saying here. The Lord is saying that there is nothing impossible with God to do. But if we can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And it is something that must always be in the back of your mind. If you are going to live as the just lives, which is by faith, you must have at the back of your mind that if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, what are you going to believe? You just believe something that you cook up? No! Remember what we said. The source of faith is the word of God. You believe what God has said. That's why the first thing we said was, with God, nothing shall be impossible. So when you read in the scriptures concerning childbearing, and you read that Sarah gave birth at the age of 90, you know that nothing shall be impossible. Some people have said, oh, Sarah was barren for about 25 years. No, Sarah's barrenness, counting 25 years, was from the time that God spoke to Abraham about Sarah having a child. Before that time, Sarah was always barren. The Bible even concluded that Sarah was barren. Indeed, in Luke chapter 1, the angel had to tell Mary that Elizabeth, your kinswoman, who everybody knew to be barren, has been with child for the past five to six months. Mary went to find out, and it was so. So when God says there shall be no one barren in the land, God knows what he's saying. He will bring forth children by that person. If we will endure, if we will trust him, if we will only believe him, IVF may work for some people. But the reality is, like I said earlier, when God is speaking, it is the word of God that matters. If God says to you, go and do IVF, well, fine, go and do it. However, we know that if you are a child of God, God wants to bring forth a child through you that he will be glorified by. Not that science will be glorified by it. What is happening with many of us is that we are so excited about having children any which way and not about bringing glory to God. You must always remember that. If you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. Even in a famine, if you believe, that God will sustain you, you'll be sustained. Even in sickness, if you believe that God will heal you, you'll be healed. You see, we tend to want to put the buck on ministers and say, how come they don't have faith for this? No, there's a place for the faith of the pastor, the faith of the minister. Yes, there's a place for it. Where a third party square, for example, if somebody's deaf and dumb, the faith of the pastor comes into play. Somebody who is dead, that is the person cannot believe. The faith of the pastor comes into play. An unbeliever, the faith of the pastor comes into play. But when it comes to you as an individual. Your faith is important. Sometimes the faith of your family would be important where the person being spoken about is an unbeliever. But it's important to realize that with God, nothing is impossible. What is impossible with men is possible with God. What men cannot do, God can do. Always have faith in God, no matter what. Put your trust in him. Remember that whatsoever thing you ask in prayer, what you need is you believe and you will get it. And let us stop asking if God can do something. Let him do it. No, you believe. If you can believe, all things are possible. Now, although God can do all things, although God can do anything, he does not always do all things. That does not diminish his ability. This is a matter of his will. So you must factor the will of God in all of this. That's why I said to you when we're talking about the issue of whatever things you ask in prayer, you must factor in the will of God. So God can do all things. But if those things that you want him to do do not align with his will and purpose for you or for that thing being done, he will not do it. It does not diminish one bit 
the ability of God. In Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. I'm just going to read this. When he, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, had come down from the mountain, that was after he had finished the teaching on the mount, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, let me just read verse 3 for completeness. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy was cleansed. Now, what is happening here? The leper came to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, I know you can. What I don't know is, are you willing? Now, this is the attitude of those who are walking with God by faith, who are living by faith. Lord, there is nothing that is impossible for you to do. There's nothing that is too difficult for you to do. All I want to know from you is, Lord, do you want to do it? And then we can pray. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. We want to find out the will of God. And then we pray that will to be done in the earth. So when we face a situation that challenges us, that seems to be difficult, that seems to be something that we cannot get out of, the question we want to ask, Lord, what is your will on this matter? And then we pray the will of God. It will be done. Because it is the will of God we are praying. Remember what we said when we looked at 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He didn't say he will answer. He says he hears us. If he hears us, we know we have the answer. We go in faith. We know that we have an assurance that we have. I want you to remember one thing also. God responds to your faith, not to your doubts, not to your fears, not to your anxieties, not to your concerns. No, you don't go to God. That's why the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things with supplication, prayer, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. God responds to your action born out of faith, born out of believing him. In Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2 verse 1 to 11, I want you to read it, but there's a portion I just want to mention here. They brought this paralytic guy to the Lord, but when they got there, the door was blocked because there were so many people there at the time. And the Bible says that the power of God was present to heal, but there was nobody to be healed. And then these fellows came with their friend who was paralytic. When they had no access, they went up to the roof, tore the roof of another man's house, and lowered their friend. Now, after they had lowered their friend in front of Jesus, the Bible says in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. What was it? He saw the faith of his friends. And pronounce forgiveness of sin. And of course, we know later that he was healed. You read the whole thing from verse 1 to 11. What I'm trying to point out here is that your faith can be seen by God. As can also your fear, doubt, worries, anxieties, concerns, and all those things. God can see them. Some people think that it's just to go and pray. No, there are some prayers that are prayer of doubt, prayer of fear, prayer of anxiety, prayer of worry. <laughs> we are praying, but we are afraid. God sees that fear. What God wants to see is faith. That you trust him. No wonder the psalmist said, what time am I afraid? I will trust in the Lord. That is, I will turn to the Lord in faith. I will put my trust in him. So we must understand that we need to put our trust in God. In Acts chapter 14, verse 8 to 10, Paul and Barnabas were preaching somewhere in Leicester, I think. And there was this guy who had been born lame from the womb. He was sitting down there as Paul was preaching. The Bible says that Paul saw that the guy had faith. And Paul said to him, stand up on your feet, man. And the man jumped up and began to walk. It was his faith. That Paul said, jump up, you have it. You have it. Just walk. So your faith is what God sees and will bring the action to bear. For example, you are going for an interview and you are already worried. I don't know anybody. Oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? What will, what will be done? You are killing yourself. You are going for an interview. Number one, if you are not sure whether you should go for an interview, ask God. If God says go, then you go in faith. We must get ourselves to the place where we are living our lives by faith, not by fear. 
Not by facts, not by feelings, but by faith. Finally, living by faith means hearing from God and doing what he tells you to do. You cannot live by faith and you are not hearing from God. This is the essence of our time with God, spending time with God in prayer, in reading the Bible, in talking to him and so on and so forth. Remember, prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. If all you do is go talk to God and then go away, you are soliloquizing, you are talking to yourself. You must expect God to answer you. When you read the Bible, you must expect to hear God speak to you through the pages of the Bible. Otherwise, you are just reading a book. We must get into reading with expectation that God will speak. We must get into prayer with expectation that God would speak. We must expect God to respond when we pray. I've asked some people, say, I've been praying, I've been praying. I've said, has God spoken? They say, I don't know. I am not sure I'm hearing. Oh, then you need to go and find out how to hear. You need to hear from God. How do you hear from God? Number one, you can hear from the written word of God. Number two, God can speak audibly to you. Number three, he can speak through your heart within you. God will speak to you. He will prompt you. He will say some things to you. He can speak to you in dreams, in visions. He can speak to you through a third party. But in all of this, the word of God is the basis on which God speaks to us. Always remember that the God that you serve is not an idol. It is idols that don't speak. It is idols that don't say anything. Let me read Psalm 115, reading from verse 2. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. God is not an idol. You go to the idol worshippers place. It is the priest that is speaking to you. God wants to speak to you because he wants you to know that he speaks, that he sees, that he moves, that he is able, that he can do what no man can do. But instead of us going and focusing on God, what do we do? We end up going to men of God. Not that it's wrong to go to a man of God, but you don't go to the man of God for number one discussion with God. You go to God to discuss with him. If Samuel had gone to Eli to say, what do you think God is trying to say to me? Do you think Eli would have been able to tell Samuel what it is that God wanted to say to Samuel directly? God wants to speak to you directly. Go to God and hear from him. We've done a series already on hearing from God. You need to understand how to hear from God, the character of God. God is not going to speak out of character. God cannot, for example, tell you to divorce your wife. It's not possible. It's out of character. Because as far as God is concerned, once you are married, you are married. God cannot tell you to divorce your wife and marry somebody else. It's out of character. That's not the nature of God. So the Bible is the yardstick or the base on which we can judge whether God is the one speaking or something else is at play. So we use the word of God to check that what we are hearing is from God. Therefore, you must recognize that the written word of God is sacrosanct. That's why the Bible tells us, I think in 1 John chapter 4 from verse 1 or so, it says, test every spirit, whether they be of the Lord. Says, For many false prophets have gone into the world. All those things that we see happening in many places that they call churches, they are not of God. They have the Antichrist. When I say Antichrist, we're not talking of the Antichrist that will be revealed. No, no, no. Antichrist simply means against Christ. They are against Christ. Therefore, they are barely sick. They are idol worshippers. When you go to the home of the idol worshipper, he will go over and say, oh, this is what the idol says. The idol didn't speak. It is the servant that is speaking. 
God does not want you to operate that way. God doesn't want you to go to somebody and say, man will say, eh, this is what God is saying. No, God wants to speak to you so that you can check whether what that man is saying is correct or not. Even after the man has spoken to you, you go to a place, somebody lays hand on you or whatever and is prophesying over you. You don't buy it hook, line and sinker. You say, thank you very much, sir. They say, oh, you have to give something to the man of God. Say, no, <laughs> what should I give you? I didn't ask you to prophesy. You go to God. Say, Lord, this man said this about me. Is that what you are saying? God will tell you whether he spoke or not. Let us stop being gullible. That is what the life of faith requires. And then don't forget, for men, in First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible says that we should treat our wives with understanding so that our prayers are not hindered. So you've been praying, you've been praying, you've been praying, and now he ends up, go back. What is it that you are doing wrong in your relationship with your wife? And make things right. And God will see you through. Remember when we spoke about whatever thing just, the Lord just brought about if you have anything against somebody, go and forgive that person. If you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. If God does not forgive you, then you don't have answers to your prayers. So these things are there and we must understand them from reading the word of God. We can't just pick one thing and hold on to it. The word of God is a complete thing and we must look at every facet of it. Finally, remember that we not only go to God in faith, we must also grow in faith towards God. Always remember that. It's not enough to just go to God in faith, asking for one thing or asking for another thing. You must grow in your relationship with God. You must grow to the point where you can hear God speak to you. You can take matters to Him, even in emergencies, because you have grown in a relationship. That's what growing towards God in faith means. In a relationship. And when you get into that relationship, you will know that you cannot be living in sin. You will know that you cannot have unconfessed sins and go to God. There are many things that happen in your life. So always remember that it is not enough to go to God in faith. You must also grow in faith towards God. And until we meet again, when by the grace of God, we'll begin to look at the doctrine of baptisms. God bless you.